Hi, you're listening to the Christina in the Valley podcast, and I'm your host, Christina Gavin. Today is our Bama Rush Tell All. We're getting down and dirty to discuss everything the documentary should have covered. From our sorority experience to our thoughts about the documentary, and not to mention our obsession with Bama Rush talk, no stone is left unturned. Michaela and I discuss just what it means to be a sorority girl and how much it's going to cost you. Buckle up, this is a bonus episode you won't want to miss. Please be advised that the following podcast contains sensitive and potentially triggering content. Topics discussed in this episode include sexual assaults, drugs, and disordered eating. We understand the gravity of these subjects and want to ensure your emotional well-being. If you feel that these topics may be distressing for you, we encourage you to prioritize your mental health and consider skipping this episode. Remember, it's always okay to prioritize your well-being and seek support when needed. With that being said, and as always, if you love our chat, please be sure to like and follow so you never miss an episode. Follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Christina in the Valley for some exclusive and behind-the-scenes content. Let's get into it. Well, hello, Michaela. I'm so happy we're chatting together. This is going to be really fun. This is going to be a good episode, especially given that you and I are both co-recruitment advisors for a sorority. I know, pretty crazy. And not to mention that we are actually gearing up for sorority recruitment for multiple schools. So I know that you're an advisor for a few schools, but where did you actually go to college? I went to Arizona State. Arizona State. What was that like? It was so much fun. The Greek life system there was very exciting. I'm a first generation like college student, first generation Greek. So I had no idea what I was doing going into anything, but everyone was so welcoming. It was so fun felt almost like a home away from home, minus the fact that it was 115 degrees more often than it should have been. Just that small detail, just a casual, a balmy one detail. 115 degrees. Were sororities something that everybody did? Or was it more like if you wanted to be in a sorority, you could, but it wasn't the only way to be involved? It actually, I think, didn't even make up 5% of our like student population. Oh, wow. Which is shocking because it was such like, you felt like everybody you knew was in Greek life, but it was such a small number because we're such a large school and we have satellite campuses and downtown campuses. So like total, I think we have 80 or 90,000 students across like all the campuses. And then Greek life was centered around like the main campus, which was in Tempe. At least when I was there and I graduated a couple years ago. It wasn't even, I think, 5% of our student population. So you so, definitely had other ways to get involved. Yeah, definitely not like Alabama. Definitely not like Alabama. <laughs> Very did, much not Alabama. <laughs> did you know that you wanted to be in a sorority before you joined, went to college? I kind of thought about it, but again, not having anyone like in my life that went through recruitment or was in a sorority, I didn't really know much about it. So it wasn't until I actually got to school and people are like, you know, walking around promoting their sororities, wearing different letters during move-in week. Like people are like, oh, go Greek, go mm-hmm. recruitment, like woo, Panhellenic. And I was like, oh, that actually looks kind of fun. Like, I think I would hang out with those people. I think I really decided, you know what? 
I'm going to do it. And I knew absolutely nothing. Didn't know anybody in any of the houses. I didn't. Apparently, you should have had letters of recommendation. Did not have that. No. Wore clothes that I already had in my closet. I didn't go shopping for anything. I just showed up as me, which is, I think, almost better. Like, you want to be your true, authentic self. Yeah. Living in your authentic truth. That is the (laughs) best way to do it. That's kind of how my experience was. My mom was in a sorority and... I had grown up with my mom's sorority sisters being like part of my family Mm -hmm. and it was all the women she lived with throughout college. And I still see them all the time. And I was just back in New York and we saw various of our sorority sisters and they're, they're going to Italy like in two weeks. And I I remember seeing that friendship and thinking, I want to be in a sorority because I want that type of relationship her relationship with her friends really showcased the sisterhood that you're trying to mm-hmm. get when you're going into a sorority. Once you got into the sorority, what was your experience like? Did you hold any officer positions? Were you kind of outside? What was it like? I held a few. I think some of this was before like positions changed and responsibilities changed because again, it's been a few years since I was in my prime active membership era. I did like special events and then was on like the recruitment committee team. So it wasn't like an exec position or like a sub position of an exec member. It was just like helping with all things recruitment. Mm. And then my senior year, I took over as our event manager. That was the exec position. That's a little all over the place, but a lot of it kept kind of coming back into like recruitment. Yeah, that that tracks with what you're doing now. See, (laughs) my experience is so different because I went through recruitment freshman year, like we all do. I went through the whole process and then I was dropped on preference. Really? So I didn't get invited back to preference. And I remember that was like the most tragic thing that had ever happened mm-hmm. to me. Not honestly, my le- so many other bad things have happened. But I remember in that moment, I was like, I feel so rejected and no one wants me. And I cried so much. Mm-hmm. And looking back, I'm like, why did I cry so much? Why? It was not that big of a deal. It was <laughs> like, not that deep. It was not that deep. <laughs> there were a lot of people who didn't make it through our process. And then... I was like, F this, I'm not joining a sorority. It's not for me. I'm going to find other ways to get involved on campus. And then sophomore year, a bunch of my friends were going through open recruitment or they were already in the sorority. And they said, you know, why don't you just go through open recruitment see what it's like? Well, I was like, yeah, okay, I'll do it. And I ended up having coffee with a couple women. And then I was in and it was so much more low stress. And honestly, COR girls, that's the way to go. After I went through COR, I very quickly was like, okay, this is my jam. I want to get involved. So I didn't make it through officer elections for that year. But as soon as I could, I became vice or well, what used to be vice president, what's now VPO. And Mm -hmm. I loved it. It was like so much fun. It it really aligned to my strengths of being a type A planner. (laughs) I got the Google organized. I got the Google Drive set up. And I think I told you the weekly newsletter that goes out when I saw it a few months ago still had like my signature on it. (laughs) I love that. I've been out of college for five, (laughs) six years. So I was like, um, ladies, I think it's, I think it's time we update this. Like talk about leaving your legacy. That was my legacy. (laughs) The weekly newsletter, the Google drive, all of those things. 
You're like, things I did, that. When I got a Facebook post, someone, they were looking for an advisor. I thought, "Mm, I could do that. I'm going to do that. And now here we are. Did I ever think I'd be doing recruitment and marketing? No. No, I didn't. Here we are. But here we are. And so far, it's been it's been a journey. It's had its highs and lows. It's a very fun experience. And I think even as like advisors being out of college, like at least speaking for myself, like you grow so much on the advisor side as much as you do like as an active in a position that like reports into an advisor directly. Like I think I've grown and like learned new ways to communicate and learning other people's communication styles and like what works for them or what doesn't to make us all work better together. What made me want to be an advisor is at work, I don't have any direct reports. And so I knew that this would be a good way to test my leadership skills Mm -hmm. in a lower stakes environment. And I figured, Mm -hmm. you know, if I can advise 18 to 22 year olds on... I can do anything. Yeah, I can do literally anything. Like I can absolutely be the manager of any generation, (laughs) any Mm -hmm. gender, absolutely anything. So that's kind of been the journey so far. When did you become an advisor? Because I know you've been doing it a little bit longer than I have. I became an advisor January of 2021. Okay. So you're coming up on your second year, third year? Math is hard. Yeah. Third year. Because 21 to 22, 20, wait. Yeah. So I just finished my second year. This past January, right? Yeah. Yeah. But you you also kind of broke the tradition of you have to be X amount of years out of college to advise. Yeah. So I had always heard different stories about that and that like every chapter is different. Every school is different. Every sorority as a whole is different. So I heard if it was your own sorority, like your alma mater, where you graduated from, you had to wait at least four years before yeah. you could come back and advise. And then if it was a different chapter, it was up to the chapter advisor's discretion, but they preferred two to three years out of college. But I wasn't even a full year out of college before I became an advisor. I was That's like, okay. I'm back. Hello. Who's ready for recruitment? I am. Uh, that's so funny that is so funny what do you think has been the most rewarding part of being an advisor I think getting to debrief with the members after like recruitment especially like fall primary recruitment has calmed down like getting to just like debrief with them and hear about how much fun everybody had at bid day yeah the positive feedback we got during the different rounds like what worked and what everybody loved that made like our chapter so strong I think getting to hear those, it's like all the hard work and some of the nagging or the long hours or the frustrations like can really pay off once you finish recruitment and get all the positive feedback. I have not been through a recruitment season yet, so I have yet to experience that. I think even in the limited five months that I've been advising, I've definitely noticed some growth in mm-hmm. our officers. And I think mm-hmm. seeing our members take our advice and learn how to navigate certain situations, even doing all of the workshops that we've recently had to do about creating a more inclusive chapter, that has been really re- rewarding. 
Mm-hmm. It really has been. And then the positive feedback that comes from the chapter as we are working on it and bettering ourselves. It's great to see that like everyone's putting in the effort to want to grow and to continue to better themselves. No one's like against it. Like, nope, I'm too good for this. And the conversations that they're having, they're so much more. Amazing. I don't even like woke isn't the right word, but emotionally mature than I was at their age. I was like, wow, you guys are really, <laughs> you're educated. Uh-huh. And I, I love that for them so much. It's amazing. It's heartwarming almost. It's so heartwarming. And that's going to carry them through their entire lives, especially if they're mm-hmm. ever to face any sort of issues in the actual workforce or work industry. Mm-hmm. They'll, they can call back on this time and say, Hey, I've actually learned about this when I was in a sorority. Mm -hmm. It's a great answer to most interview questions. Oh my gosh, it is. I remember I was in an interview and she was like, tell me about a time. And I said, you know, I know this isn't really traditional, but can I tell you about the time when I was vice president of my sorority and I had to be in charge of 150 women Mm -hmm. and I got the job. (laughs) And that's how it It goes. It does work if you can finagle it. Yeah, I think the wording and how you go about it is everything because there's so much more to Greek life than what like people think there is. The volunteering and if you do hold positions, like there's so much that you do when you do hold a position and you yeah. have so many like day-to-day tasks or reports you have to do that then report up into somebody else that then someone else has to view. So it's like, you learn so much. And so if you go into an interview knowing like how to phrase what you did to apply to like the corporate world or whatever you're looking to do, a lot of it is transferable. It's just phrasing it correctly. Yes. Finagling it. Finagling it. So the reason we're having this conversation today out of all days is- Of all days. Of all days The Bama Rush documentary came out last night. So we're recording this episode on on Wednesday. It came out last night, which was Tuesday. And I'm going to recap some of the important things so we can go over. So over the last few years, we've seen a major uprising and coverage surrounding sorority recruitment. And it all really started on TikTok with potential new members documenting their sorority recruitment experience and then showcasing their like OOTDs, their outfits of the day, what's in their recruitment bag, all of those things. I know I was hooked on Bama Rush TikTok. I could not stop watching. It was it was so good. No, it was so good. This was way before I was even an advisor or anything. I was like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. I have to I have to watch everything. So it became known as Bama Rush TikTok and Most people don't know, but University of Alabama is one of the first schools to go through sorority recruitment, and they have to show up early to class, early to campus before classes even start. I was hooked on Bamberish TikTok. You were hooked. We were all hooked. And I just was rooting for everyone. You know, I don't care where Mm -hmm. they go. I don't care what house they get into, if it's their top house, whatever. It all works out. But I was like, yes, I cannot wait for bid day. And it was just interesting to see because. At University of Alabama, their process was so different than the process I went through. And because of the schools I went to were not affiliated with campus. So there wasn't this like run to the house vibe. Mm-hmm. And so I, I love seeing that. 
after being hooked on Bama Rush TikTok, this was, last year was like season two, I guess, of Bama Rush TikTok. Then on August 12th, 2022, the damaging New York Times article, Paranoia and Pastels at Bama Rush, comes out that a camera crew had been following the potential new members and had supposedly gained access to document the entire, quote, secretive process, which I find hilarious. Apparently, one potential new member, which I didn't know this, I just found this out when I was researching this today. One potential new member was even dropped for fear that she was wearing a microphone during one of the parties. And you know how like when you're wearing a big baggy t-shirt, you can like tie it in the back mm-hmm. with a hair tie. It had She had a hair tie. One of the sororities said, no, it's a microphone. We're going to drop you. So with all that backstory, this is what I was expecting for the Bama Rush documentary. I thought it was going to like go through the whims of recruitment, everything that goes on, all those things. And it didn't exactly do that. So give me your honest thoughts about what you felt and what you experienced after you watched the documentary. So similar to you, I went in, I sh- my expectations were high just because like, oh my gosh, what what are they going to talk about? Like Bama Rush TikTok is huge. Everybody knows it. Like come August, your feed on TikTok just starts with like people packing like, oh, two weeks until we go through Bama Rush. And so I was like, oh, this is going to be great. Like we're going to get to see the ins and the outs, stuff that like potential new members aren't able to record like inside the house. Like maybe we'll get to see something, which as an advisor, I should have known that like obviously... <laughs> You can't get inside a house in the middle of recruitment. They're not going to walk around with the camera crew filming people having conversations. Honest feedback, though, it was nothing like the trailer. I felt like there were almost two storylines going at once that maybe the director wanted to have overlap and like connect to make sense. But I felt like they were such different stories. It didn't come together. Like the director had her own story and her own like life experiences that she was trying to relate into recruitment that didn't really have a lot to do with recruitment itself. And so I felt like I was let down with it. And yeah, I finished it and I was like, well, that was kind of a waste. Like I honestly, I think the trailer was more intense and more exciting than the actual documentary itself. No, the trailer catfished the documentary. <laughs> catfished Literally, so hard. it catfished. We were we were bamaboozled. <laughs> bamaboozled. Trademarking that. Trademark. I I truly believe this documentary was poised to be something else, and you know, I posted an Instagram story of me watching the documentary, and someone actually messaged me and said that the National Panhellenic Council the machine, all of those things have friends in very high places. Mm -hmm. And they suggested that they made HBO change course, which is why we have a portion of this documentary, which is focusing on the director who has alopecia, who was never in a sorority, has never been through, through sorority recruitment. And she's comparing her story with that of these sorority women saying that her experience going through alopecia is in like kind of what it would be like to go through sorority recruitment. She's a director. She states in a recent Instagram video, this was the purpose of this documentary. 
She sets out to make a documentary about what it means to be a young woman right now and to tell the story through the lens of the sorority system at the University of Alabama. I think she missed the mark a little bit. I didn't, nothing was shared that you, I felt like most people didn't already know. Because I think most people who sat down to watch this documentary are either currently in Greek life, wanting to be a part of Greek life, graduated, an alum, dropped, but knows about Greek life. So nothing new was said or discovered that you couldn't have already figured out from watching enough TikToks. YouTube videos, articles. So yeah, I definitely think the mark was missed. There are a few things that I was glad that the documentary pointed out. The, albeit very small, the conversation around eating disorders, I think Mm -hmm. was really important to call out. You know, they didn't really talk much about it besides the one woman talking about how she had X amount of calories in her bowl and, you know, trigger warning because- Mm-hmm. Anybody who's ever counted calories, no, I there should have been a trigger warning for that. There, yeah, was there? Because I didn't see it. I didn't see one. I also think that they so briefly touched on like the diversity and inclusion aspect, and then immediately stopped. And I was like, no, there is so much you could have said to that. Like that was a yeah. perfect moment with a platform to share, and it just was like a five second pan over and then we, they moved on. Not, especially with more than five seconds, but it was very short. I mean, it was like one or two minutes, especially because at Alabama, the fraternities and sororities used to be segregated. And it wasn't until like pretty recently that segregation no longer existed within sororities. And then yeah, there it was, was like 2013. So yeah, still very recent. There was the whole concept of the divine nine, I think it's Mm -hmm. what it's called. I need to double check that. And they could have talked about that so much more. And even diversity and inclusion in regards to sorority in general. Someone messaged me on this and it's one of our mutual, mutual friends who is another advisor. And she said, I found it so interesting that the sororities are ranked based on fraternities and what the fraternities think of them as opposed to being ranked by size and how many new members they have and grades and all those things. Involvement in the community and yeah. on campus. So many other things you could base a ranking off of. So I thought that was so interesting. The other thing, and this is another trigger warning, the very quick storyline about the freshman who was sexually assaulted before coming to campus. Oh my gosh. My heart breaks for her. I'm so glad that she was able to share her story. I, this is me personally, and people might feel different, but I thought that at the end, there should have been a information, like if you've experienced assault, like here's who you can reach out to if you feel like you need to talk to somebody. Like most TV shows that these days have it, even if it's a fictional show, they still at the end will say, if you need to reach out to somebody, here is help and I thought okay well a documentary that is based on a real person's story though slightly glossed over like they said it happened and then she kind of moved on from that part of the storyline like there should have still been something in addition to a trigger warning like hey this is going to be talked about there should have been resources at the end no I completely agree and Rachel's claim that she 
wanted to make this documentary about what it means to be a young woman right now. Well, to be a young woman in college, one in five women are sexually assaulted. To not provide those kinds of resources when you literally have someone in your documentary talking about their experience with sexual assault, you really missed the mark there. Like that was an opportunity and it just went by the wayside. Especially the platform, like it is on HBO. Like a lot of people have HBO subscriptions. It was hyped up on TikTok. It was hyped up on like Twitter. I saw Twitter ads for like, it was everywhere. Like people were going to watch this. And so to have a, what was expected to be such a large platform and not give resources or provide more in that realm and in that space is just baffling to me. And then they had another opportunity when the rumors started swirling. They could have shut those down or done so many other things. And what was interesting is they didn't show a single part of recruitment. And there's things you can show that, you know, aren't breaking any rules. Like you can show people lining up at the houses. Mm, Door chance. Door chance, getting ready. And there was none of that. I was like, where is that? I would still want to see that. I so also noticed that any TikTok they showed blurred out the username. Yeah. And it was very quick panovers. It wasn't like one person's full TikTok. It was like 0.5 second clip from here, 0.5 second clip from there. So it's it felt very like choppy and put together. And then I'm like, okay, so did they get consent from the people's TikToks that they used or no? And that's why the name is blurred and it's like kind of quick. I don't know. Granted, like you put it onto TikToks, like it's for it's free game for everybody to see anyways, but it just felt very like they didn't have enough people. They had so they could have talked to so many people. I know. And done it so differently, I feel like. And it would have been great. And did you know that recruitment at the University of Alabama is eleven days? Eleven? Yes. So they have I did not. For this year, I had to look this up. It starts Wednesday, August 9th to Friday, okay. August 11th, early move-in. Then Saturday, August 12th, you have convocation. I actually don't okay. even know what that is. <laughs> I think it's the same of like ice water and tea or lemonade. Mm, okay. Then on the same day you have open... Okay, so they have 10 days. On the same day, you have open house. Then Sunday and Monday, 13th, 14th, and 15th, you have three days of philanthropy, then three days of sisterhood, one pref, and one bid. I guess that makes sense because they are such a lot, like, they are huge. And so many people go through recruitment that it doesn't surprise me that they need to do three days for a lot of the rounds. I wish that was called out. Like, they could have discussed so much more about that. You know what so they much. I remember, and this was something that was mentioned at RM, the recruitment and marketing conference the dues and how much it costs to be in a sorority they have insane dues they have dues that you could buy a car with did you see the little line that said the average price to be in a sorority is eighty three hundred dollars and so i looked it up and on their website, it says dues range from 7400 to 9400 based on the Alabama Panhellenic Council. This does include room, chapter meal, local chapter fees, and national international fees. 
But that was another thing they could have called out is how much it costs to be in a sorority and the financial disparity between sorority women and non-sorority women. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd be remiss if I didn't call out the fact that you are privileged if you're able to join a sorority and be a member of a sorority. And this doesn't even include the $375 it takes to register to go through recruitment. What's crazy, too, is so I feel like especially at Alabama, you're buying new outfits, you're buying new shoes, you are buying stuff specifically to go through recruitment. That's a lot of money in and of itself. Like if you are planning that you need a new dress for every single day or new pants or a new skirt or new shoes or shirt, like whatever you might be wearing that day, I can't imagine you're going to wear something you already have in your closet because it's quote unquote Bama rush. Yeah. Oh, speaking of Anybody who is in this documentary should know that it's recruitment, not rush. Rush is not the right term, but everybody was saying it. That sent me. I was fired up. I was yelling at my TV. It's recruitment, not rush. (laughs) Because it's been ingrained in us that it is recruitment. It is not rush. And for active members, speaking of, sorry, I am like fired up and going on my own little. Do it. And what world? Are any of these active members sitting down giving interviews able to do that? I thought almost, I thought if not all sororities, at least most had very strict rules that like, you don't talk to the media about stuff. You don't, like there are certain rules that you have to follow being an active member that like you send them to the national PR person. So for some of these members to actively sit down, answer questions and talk about it, I was like, how about that? How would you guys do that? Wait, but none of the women who spoke were active members. No, two of them were the Zetas. The two Zetas that were in the same room together the entire time, they're oh. active. I did some social media stalking. They are very much actives. Are they still in? Last I checked, yeah, but I'm like, maybe that maybe it's like they had no idea. Like Zeta didn't know they were sitting down for this and now they found out. So maybe not. I don't know. It's probably a, a better to ask for forgiveness than permission situation, permission. if I had to guess. Mm-hmm. Or the one who was in Kayo, maybe she has since graduated. I don't know, but there were some that were like very much active members. Okay, hot take. Do you think that any of the women were wearing microphones during the parties? I don't think so because I don't like – even if you had a really tiny mic, like say it was in a bracelet, in a necklace, in an earring, I feel like it would pick up so much other yeah. noise. Kind of like how are we talking about like the earphones I'm wearing? If I move my head too much or I hit my earring, you're going to yes. hear it. Like, that would happen with a bracelet, with a necklace. If it's up against your chest, it's going to like the fr- like the friction if you're like moving around or the clothes. Like I just feel like there was no way that was ever a thing. No, I agree. And even recording podcasts, I know the littlest bump on my table or swallowing saliva, you're going to hear it. And Uh anybody who's been through a sorority recruitment knows it is loud as all heck. You are screaming for your life. Literally, you're screaming. All of our members lose their voice by the end of the – I mean, for us, it's only four or five days, but by the end of recruitment – you're just holding on. There's no way they could have gotten a microphone in there. No, no shot. Do you think this documentary or 
Bama Rush or the OOTDs that have been on social media are going to make Greek life more, I don't want to say accessible because that's not necessarily the right word, but more popular? Or do you think it's going to have the opposite effect where members are going to want to go into Greek life less? I actually think a lot of it's going to stay the same. Hmm. I don't know if it's, the documentary itself, like, I don't think changed anything one way or another. It's just kind of there. It happened and everyone's going to move past it. As for TikTok, I think if anything, it has put a bigger spotlight on recruitment. It has given a platform in the sense of, here is me, a normal person doing recruitment. Because I have seen them from other schools too. Like I'm no longer seeing just like Bama Rush TikToks. Like I saw at one point, I think it was Ole Miss. I saw Kentucky. I saw schools in Washington and Oregon and California in Florida. Like you start to see just all schools, different chapter houses, different people, like the diversity in that, like you get to see that more. And so if anything, maybe it will show people who are considering it like, oh, that could be me. Like maybe I'm not the cookie cutter look that people in Alabama are, or especially at Alabama, some of the houses, a lot of the members do look the same. But maybe you see someone in Washington that looks a little bit more like you that you're like, oh, I could be like that. Like, I resonate with that. So maybe in that sense, it does give a platform to encourage more people to look into recruitment. I don't know if it has turned people away, because at least at the schools that we advise for, I've historical trends have showed that post-COVID, and then especially once Bama Rush blew up, more people filled out interest forms in recruitment than before. Yeah. And not to mention, you have grown-ass women watching those videos. My mom. Mothers. Yes. (laughs) My mom is watching it. Like, my dad remembers so distinctly what it was like for me to go through recruitment. And even it's popped up on his TikTok. And he's like, did you see the Bama Rush talk? I'm like, yeah, dad. (laughs) I did see it. She's a mom with twin boys who are 10. Like she texted me one night and she was like, what is Bama Rush? Why is it on my TikTok? And why am I obsessed? And I was like, oh, welcome. Join the club. Join the Bama Rush club. (laughs) (laughs) Grab a glass of wine and keep on watching. So we talked a lot about the documentary. We'll wrap it up with this. What are the benefits, do you think, and what can what can members gain from being in a sorority? I guess speaking from personal experience, there is so much growth that happens in college. And to have a safe space of other people going through the same things, maybe not specifically the same things, but you have a group of people who are there to support you and uplift you and help you in your tough times, but also celebrate you in the good times. And so I think that that is one huge benefit. I think that there are such great networking opportunities, ways to further your career or meet people who are in the field that you want to go into, whether that's recent graduates, alumni at a local alumni chapter, or not chapter, a local alumni association. I think that if you have an opportunity to hold a position, kind of like we shared earlier, 
it teaches you so much. You learn so many skills that will help you in any field. With anywhere you go in life, the skills you learn and what you gain. What you gain Gain. from that. Thank you. That is the word I was looking for. What you gain from that. And what you gain from that in those four years just help you. And then the memories. I think that some of my best college memories come from being in a sorority with the people I met, friends of friends that maybe weren't in Greek life, but you met them through your sorority friends. Like you just, it's the best. Yeah. I enjoyed my time. Yeah. You hit on so many of my points also. I was at one of my sorority sister's daughter's first birthday and my other sorority Mm -hmm. sister has two beautiful young kids who they call they call me auntie and I wouldn't have those friendships without my sorority experience but I also wouldn't know how to navigate conflict the way I know how to navigate conflict Mm -hmm. and how to write a professional sounding email how to work with different types of people who have different types of leadership styles there's so many things I gained from being in a sorority. And there's always that like sorority persona. Oh, you're a sorority girl, blah, blah, blah. And I always say, yeah, I am a sorority girl. And one day I will be the CEO of a company and it will be because I gained so many of those skills from my collegiate sorority experience. 100%. I think also, I mean, I had pretty good time management skills going into college but you get a like better appreciation for it when you are being held accountable in a position to get something done by a specific deadline and there isn't wiggle room like sometimes with your professors it's like okay well it's due friday but oh a bunch of you didn't do it we'll extend it another day or yep. you get to drop your lowest test score or you get to there's sometimes like free passes but within a sorority, a lot of times, like those deadlines are hard deadlines for a reason because it has to go to other people once you're done with it. And so you learn how to time, like your time management skills improve and then taking ownership, like owning what you're doing, which now has helped me in my professional career because I take ownership of what I'm doing. And it's like, you know what? I am doing that and I'm going to do it right. And then I will give it to you. And it's not like, oh, like, yeah, I guess I'll take it. And like, Let's all hope it's right. Like, no, like I'm owning it. Absolutely. Well, if anybody, any young members are thinking about going through sorority recruitment and are hesitant because of the Bama Rush documentary, Michaela and I are here to say, (laughs) don't be. It's an amazing experience. And if for whatever reason you go through recruitment and you get dropped like I did, one, you can always reach out to me. But two, there's always another avenue. And if it doesn't work out for you, it doesn't work out for you. But at least you know that you tried. Well, this is so much fun. I'm so glad that we could impromptu talk about being in sororities and share our experience, the Bama Rush documentary. And I hope that if one person finds value from this conversation, then that'll be good enough for me. Thank you again to Michaela for joining me on this bombshell episode of Christina in the Valley. To reiterate, if you feel that the topics discussed in today's episode are distressing for you, we encourage you to prioritize your mental health and to consider reaching out for help. Remember, it's always okay to prioritize your well-being and seek support when needed. 
If you loved our chat, please be sure to tag me on socials, leave a review, drop a like, and last but not least, subscribe so you never miss an episode with future guests. For exclusive and behind-the-scenes content, you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Christina in the Valley. See you soon!